0: And Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly Monday appearance on a Tuesday. It's his weekly Monday appearance, except it has occurred on a Tuesday. He's the managing editor of Fangraphs.com, Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron is the guest and on this edition of the program, as he does every week. Dave Cameron endeavors here to analyze all baseball love. A particular note, this week, Robert Gesellman, right-hander for the New York Mets, Robert Gesellman. After passing all his minor league career as a pitch-to-contact ground baller, Gesellman last year proceeded not only to produce the highest strikeout rate of his professional career, but also to produce nearly two wins for the New York Mets in fewer than 50 innings. Leads one to ask a question, which Robert Gesellman is the real, is the frais, as the French would say, is the real Robert Gesellman? Most of the advanced metrics we have, the results-based advanced metrics we have, lead one to an answer, which is, we don't know. However, with the advent of PitchFX, and in particular with the advent of StatCast, we are able to draw certain other conclusions about Gesellman. Most notably, that pitchers who throw a fastball with the velocity that Gesellman does, and with the movement that Gesellman's fastball features, tend almost always to be good pitchers. This leads to a broader discussion with Cameron, not just of Gesellman, but of all pitchers, is if you remove the existence of the batter entirely, if you remove all of the data we have about how batters have performed against a certain pitcher, and you were left only with information regarding that pitcher's pitch mix, his velocity, and the horizontal and vertical movement on his pitches, and perhaps a heat map of the location of the spots he's hit, would you be able to project that pitcher's performance in a given season? The answer is probably no. However, the question at least leads us to an interesting place, hopefully. This conversation about Gesellman and what his data, his pitch-related data, suggests... Forms the bulk of the conversation to follow. We also discuss pitchers and attrition, the Atlanta Braves and John Hart and pitchers and attrition. Do you know, per John Hart, that only approximately two out of every ten pitchers won't fail miserably in some way? That's what John Hart himself has said. And it's probably why the Atlanta Braves selected 16 pitchers in their first 19 picks over the past two drafts, because attrition is real. Also, in this edition of the program, Dave Cameron makes a valid point.
1: The idea that, like, scouting and statistical analysis are at odds has always been a little bit weird because they're handing a scout a radar gun and a stopwatch and telling him, to go get you numbers, right? Like, they've they've been getting data for teams for a very long time. This
0: kaleidoscope of wonders in what's to follow. But before it does follow, allow me to remind you, the reader, that if you care about fangraphs and you would like to support fangraphs, you can do so in the following way. By investing, this is an investment, this is not merely spending your money, By investing in an ad-free membership. Here's what you do. You give us a certain amount of money, which is the price of a very, very, very expensive cup of coffee, and you can view, you can browse Fangraphs.com without banner ads of any sort. The effect is twofold. One, you are not burdened by advertisements. You are not led to form irrational attachments with products because of advertisement. That's benefit number one. Benefit number two, you're able to experience loading speeds like you've never had. Nobody has a loading speeds like ad-free fangraphs.com. Nobody. Believe me. I and mean, like I say, for, it's for a modest fee, a very modest fee. You're going to like it a lot. But let's stop discussing that. Let's stop this brief foray into capital, and let's move on to a conversation. Our conversation. What is it? Is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. And when does it begin? Right now.
1: of the things that he does that would be annoying, like, funny, like, he often looks at me and says, no, daddy, go away, and I just laugh. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> well, you're used to it by now.
1: Yeah. It's a daily thing.
0: No, I'm not. I'm saying just people in general saying that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good good one, Carson.
0: Yeah. How's, how's Robert... your
1: stand-up comedy life going?
0: Robert Gesellman, Davey Cameron.
1: <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about him.
0: Well, yeah, you know, I was, uh, well... His name has been in front of my eyes a lot over the last 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, because <clears throat> Eric Longanagan just released his top prospect list for the Mets. Correct. Eric Longenagan and I just discussed, for the purposes of Fangraphs Audio, uh, we just discussed Robert Gosselman at, at some length. Okay. And now I have read... Your posts regarding Robert Gesellman.
1: So I haven't listened to Eric's thing because I think you just published it, right? Um,
0: Literally, yeah, seconds like, ago,
1: like right before we started recording. Yeah. So What did what did Eric say? I mean, obviously I read Eric's write up, but what did Eric say on the podcast?
0: Well, he's probably uh, coming from probably coming from the scouting background. He's willing to. There's probably a little bit more flexibility there in terms of believing that stuff has changed, somewhat. But he says so. He says uh, Gasellman has. The slider, which the which a lot of the other Mets pitchers have, yep. But the but what's really unique, he says about Gasselman, he describes it as an angry fastball. Right. N- not only with regard to velocity, but uh, the sort of, I guess probably glove side movement that it possesses. Right. Uh, he describes it, I believe, yes, as an angry fastball.
1: An angry fastball that, uh, by the numbers in you know limited major league time last year, was maybe among the best sinkers in baseball, or right. maybe the very best sinker in baseball last year. Uh,
0: Qualify? But how are you? How by how are you defining it?
1: So I mean, uh, in, in the post, I basically showed that uh if you look at guys who get swinging strikes on their slider or on their sinker, it's not not a lot of them. Uh It's generally really good pitchers: Jake Arrieta, you Darvish, Noah Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco. Like, these are guys who throw... A sinker is usually a pitch-to-contact pitch. If you can get swinging strikes with it, that suggests that you've got some pretty good movement. Uh, but, you know, Vince Velasquez was also on that list. He had one of the lowest ground ball rates on a sinker. So he was essentially making a trade off, right? Like, you're choosing between whether you want to uh, pitch at the bottom of the zone and get contact. Hey, look, well, it's the dog again. Mm-hmm. Um... Or if you want to want to miss bats. So Velazquez has used his sinker to miss bats but not kick ground balls. Uh, no pitcher in baseball who ranked in the top 10 in swinging strike rate with his sinker also ranked in the top 15 in uh, ground ball rate with his sinker, except for Robert Gesselman. So if you're looking at uh, kind of the two characteristics of what you want a sinker to do, uh, ideally, uh, Gaselman basically the only guy, and obviously in a small sample, if he had pitched 200 innings, perhaps he would have been down with, you know, the Guards and the Carrascos and the, and the Jordano There are other guys who have good, you know, sinkers who miss bats and get ground balls, but, uh, Gesellman was exceptional in, in getting ground balls and whiffs from a pitch that usually gets one or the other.
0: Right. Yeah. And of course that, that's a, that's a tension that exists across all pitch types, right? I mean, not not necessarily. Um, well, it, I mean, there's there's all these sorts of trade-offs, right? That and that that's when you find pitchers who decide to pitch up in the zone, right? Um, right, you know, they're going to be getting probably more strikeouts, but they're going to be getting fewer ground balls. Right. But then, of course, right, if you're able to, those pitchers who are able to get both, generally speaking, that's a, I mean, that's what that's like. What the very best version of Brandon Webb, I think. Yeah. Right. That was what yeah. he was able to do, right? Right, and I Guy, think probably Jake
1: Arrieta at his very best. Right. Yeah, and Darvish is is that way too. Guys who get both strikeouts and ground balls, as if they have like even okay command, are really good. If they have plus command, they're great. I mean, this is yeah, peak Felix Hernandez, Roy Halladay, like the the best pitchers of your generation are strikeout, ground ball, and strikes.
0: So now I'm gathering uh, from your poster you 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 identify the Tension, though, which is, this is not something that Casalman really ever appeared to be doing as a as an amateur pitcher. No, no, I don't. I don't even mean amateur pitcher. I mean as a professional through AAA.
1: Yeah, I mean his strikeout rate went up a little bit last year in AAA, uh, but it went up to like still not a great number. And in the lower minors he was never striking anybody out. Like he was, uh, looked like the kind of guy that you would just hang around AAA forever as like a strike throwing pitch to contact guy who might get a call up as a swing man or something. But there was no real reason to be super interested in Gaselman until Last year, when his velocities kind of went upwards and his, uh, you know, breaking ball improved, as generally happens if your velocity improves and you get a little more distance between your fastball and your slider. And then he got to the big leagues and it was great. And it's like, okay, now this guy has gone from being, like, not interesting at all to maybe one of the very best pitching prospects alive.
0: It, yes, and it would say totally unexpected. Is Forbes a 13th round pick? Isn't that right? Yeah, 13th round pick, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so the question, though, is like how to what degree do you trust that right. leap, right? Yep. I mean, the, the output, but also, I mean, it, I, I think the stuff has changed in, a, in an
1: observable way. Yeah, but I think that's one of the things where you said like Eric's coming from a scouting perspective, and so he was more likely to buy into it. Like Baseball America is a scouting organization who talks primarily to scouts and uh, you know traditional evaluators. They're not running numerical evaluations in order to come up their rankings, and they had. Gasolman is the seventh best Mets prospect behind guys like Brandon Nimmo. Um, I mean, yeah, I like Baseball America; they do a good job. That it's hard for me to see where they're coming from.
0: Well, I, 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 so that's the thing. How quickly do you react to right. to? They're the not
1: reacting hardly at all. Like the write-up on Gasolman suggests that they still think he's the guy he was in the minor leagues. For four years, which, you know, certainly, for years we've been uh, among the crowd saying small sample size, don't overreact to a month's performance. But I do think that now that we have kind of pitch effect Statcast type data, we can look at things like Gisselman's sinker and be like, oh, this is a great pitch.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, so so tell me more. Tell me a bit about the that the data that we see for Gisselman. You mentioned some of the outputs like the the, uh, the swinging strikes and the ground balls, but. What do we see, and and why is that something to believe, whereas other other measures might not, uh, we might not invest as much faith in?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think if you look at like uh just the the pure velocity, right? Like most guys who throw two seamers, the two seamers not thrown as hard as a four seamer. Usually, the when you see guys sitting in the mid to high nineties, that's a four seam fastball. Uh, two seamers are usually a couple of ticks slower than a four seamer. So for Gaselman to have averaged ninety four with a sinker, uh, and set, it got up to 96, that's special in and of itself, right? Like, just the velocity on the two-seamer uh, makes it an outlier. That puts him in, like, the, you know, Jeff Samarja territory or Aaron Sanchez. Um, uh, Garrett Richards, who didn't pitch last year but had, had a previous uh, similar profile, and obviously you were a huge Garrett Richards proponent when he was coming up through the minor leagues as a guy who scouts – Weren't all that sold on And you're like Well look He throws hard And he throws strikes So that's something uh, Yeah
0: It's a better start Than a lot of other Right Yeah if if you have like
1: If you have 95 With movement and command That's not a bad place to be mm-hmm. Um and so I think if we can just identify this one particular pitch it's like, it's high velocity, uh, it obviously generates ground balls, uh, he commands it well, it moves, uh, as Eric says, it's an angry fastball, so this isn't a straight four seamer down the middle, this isn't a Lucas Giolito 94, this is, this is um, an Aaron Sanchez 94, and, and that's a different thing.
0: Yeah, so, here's the thing, right? If you didn't have the results necessarily, and you just had, because this is this is what we're at now. Obviously, you know, when, when you and I uh, discuss the game, we we talk about we usually we say we feel comfortable with advanced metrics, and that's right. long been, or you know, for as long as FanGraphs has been around, that's sort of been the site's that's been the site's focus. But the advent of Statcast, PitchFX, cetera, these are essentially scouting conclusions that those that those um, that those tools uh, reach, right? Yeah this is uh we're looking at things you know you're looking at things like velocity and movement which have not typically been the province of uh, of um of advanced metrics but those have been the province of scouts what we're doing essentially is we have a uh, we have a numerical representation of that scouting information now right, right. now obviously obviously uh, th- there's still there's still information that is not able to be measured by these by these instruments but there's uh, essentially there there's this area now where the two are kind of coming together
1: yeah i mean for for a while scouts were basically data collectors because there was no other way to collect this data, right? So like like um, the idea that like scouting and statistical analysis are at odds has always been a little bit weird because they were handing a scout a radar gun and a stopwatch and telling him to go get you numbers, right? Like they've they've been getting data for teams for a very long time. Uh now we have a more rigorous, less uh you know personal involvement uh method of collecting the same data the scouts have been getting forever so instead of having scouts have to be data collectors uh we can have them do other things right and like maybe more valuable things we've talked about this on the podcast before of like if you don't need your scout to sit there with a radar gun and tell you if the guy's throwing 94 or not maybe he can look for mechanics or maybe he can sit from the side or maybe he can spend more time getting to know the player and um, you can have your scout do things that aren't just you know, manual data collection. And so I think that's essentially where we've gotten is we don't need scouts to be data collectors anymore, at least not in ballparks where we have pitch effects and Statcast. cast.
0: So if I give you, we'll take someone like Gisellman, but, but say we're just taking anonymous, I mean, no, not Gisellman, but we're taking anonymous pitcher, right? I say, here is pitcher A, right? And I hand you a sheet and it has his, it, it shows uh, his, the pitches he throws. It shows, um, there's a record of uh, you know, the frequency with which he throws each pitch, although that might even be secondary to this, to this thought experiment. But I show you the velocity at which he throws, his his um, horizontal and his vertical movement <coughs> of each pitch, and then maybe I also show you the release points for each pitch so you can see how similar they are. Yeah. Is there a way that you can tell me what his, uh, you know, what his FIP is going to be?
1: No. I mean, you don't, you're not going to know enough from that because you're going to need to know at least – Command is like missing from that whole structure, right? So, like, if you just show me velocity and movement, I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, you can be like, oh, early career Oliver Prez. Well, that's not good. Um, so, at the very minimum, you need some kind of uh, uh, command metric.
0: What do you want for the, what do you want for command metric? I know this is something that I know that Eno Saris and it seems like a, a number of fantasy guys kind of deal with this sort of thing. But I, it seems relevant. To uh, any sort of analysis of players, do you want uh, do you want uh, you know like first pitch strike percentage or do you, or is that too, still too results based? Is there is there a way essentially to figure out command? So a way to isolate command apart from uh, the results?
1: Yeah, I mean I think the the trick is that like we don't have essentially. Uh, reliable target data so we don't know where the pitcher was trying to throw the ball right so like if a guy throws a pitch on the outside corner was he trying to throw the pitch there or did he aim down the middle and he had bad command and it just ended up in a good spot or is that where he was trying to throw it we don't we don't know so on any given individual pitch we can't really tell you that was commanded well or not uh, but once you have a large selection of data you can essentially look at like where do guys tend to cluster their pitches location wise? And the guys who are in the middle of the plate or not anywhere near the plate, uh, we can come up with like a you know zone percentage or some kind of number that represents uh, where their pitches are frequently located. And be like, okay, this guy is generally throwing to these spots that you know induce either swings and misses or weak contact. He's staying away from the places where balls get crushed. This guy probably just has generally better command than this other guy. But we still don't know on any given pitch, like, he threw it where he wanted to, because we don't know where he wanted to throw it.
0: Uh, Bill Petty done, uh, published multiple posts at the site regarding edge percentage.
1: Right. And heart uh, percentage as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Edge versus... Oh, yes. Heart is the... Stay away from the heart is the idea.
1: Yeah. We want players with no heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, at least we want pitchers uh, who don't who have no heart. <clears throat> Hard, I, well, and, and and that also uh, fits in nicely with some of this more data-driven stuff because I know that when StatCast data first started coming in, uh, Jeff Sullivan published a great reference graphic which uh, documented exit exit velocity on batted balls by the location of the pitch in the strike zone. Right. And it's a very – there's a high correlation between the proximity of the ball to the middle of the strike zone and the velocity at which it leaves the bat, and it's higher in the middle and lower in the, in the corners.
1: Yeah, it's what you'd expect if you center. It's the what ball, you would expect. You're, you're going to get hammered,
0: right? So if I now listen, how how many pitches? Because you know we, just, we we discussed sample size quite a bit. And velocity on a fastball, for example, is uh, that's a metric for which you need a sample of one, roughly, right? But I mean, if you have ten pitches from a pitcher. You've got to, you have a pretty good idea of, of the velocity which he'll be throwing to his fastball
1: yeah I think it actually like you can get a pretty decent idea after one pitch
0: right yeah so yeah so that's not required but what about something like heart do I mean do you have did do you know if bill ever said or do you have any sort of uh, uh suppositions do you have any suppositions about about how long you'd know to say like well, yeah this guy's staying out of the heart of the plate
1: yeah, I mean, you'd need a, a much larger sample size. I think also the the problem that Bill uh, acknowledged in his research, uh and Jeff Zimmerman was in on this as well, is that this is a pretty binary description, right? Like, it's either in the heart or it's not in the heart. And mm-hmm. so, like, when you're drawing lines and being like, we're going to bend this, and this is either in or out, uh then what do you do with pitches that are just barely outside the heart, they don't count as the same as like a pitch on the outside corner. Like that's not the same pitch. So what you really want is more of like a gradient, right? Where like, um, you, if, yeah, ideally you'd have like some kind of expected run value per pitch just based on location, but it's like way more complicated than that because it also, like count matters, uh, handedness matters, what else you throw matters, uh, what pitch you threw before matters. Um, so there's just so many variables, but if you, you wanted to boil it down, you could basically say like, um, you know, if you throw a pitch at this X Y coordinate, you know it's negative point seven runs or something like that because you threw it right down the middle. Versus if you throw it on the corner, maybe it's like plus point oh three runs or something. So like you could essentially come up with some kind of location adjustment to the pitch type and be like, oh, okay, because this guy's consistently pitching in these lower run value areas, he's improving the quality of his stuff through his command.
0: Right. Now I remember. I think it was when Mariana Rivera just retired, perhaps. I think it might have been the New York Times uh, released some cool uh, right. graf- gra- graphics type stuff. Yeah. In particular, documenting essentially, I guess what Mariano Rivera's heat maps with the uh, with the cutters that wasn't that right?
1: Yeah, it basically showed that he only ever lived on the corners, and there was nothing ever in the middle of the plate.
0: There was right, and that's the thing. There was just this collection of of point, points right on the corners, right, and right in the middle. There was nothing. Um, is that I suppose that's one. Essentially, that's one type of profile that's easy and in, in visually recognizable for a pitcher who knows precisely what he's doing when he throws a pitch.
1: Yeah, Rivera is probably um, one of the best examples of uh, you know elite elite command mm-hmm. that we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, is that, I've, I I assume the answer is no, but is, I'm going to say like, is that the only is that the only profile, or do you think that there are other pitchers who have excellent command? whose, whose uh, heat maps look different.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, they're not all going to look at, like, Rivera throwing, you know, a cutter away and a cutter in and, like, only those two locations um, because guys throw different numbers of pitches. So you'd look at, like, different heat maps based on pitch type, right? So, like, you're going to put a curveball in a different place than you're going to put, put, put a fastball. And if you're at curveballs or, you know, regularly, you know, um, at the bottom of the strike zone but still in the strike zone, that's probably worse than if they're out of the strike zone. So you'd actually want, like, your heat map on a curveball to be, like, down below the knees because the pitch should be ending up where a hitter can't hit it.
0: Yeah. I, I guess the whole idea, this is all of what I'm getting at now, asking you this, is... And, it's, and in part, this is... Uh, Robert is a is a case study or test case f- for this idea, right? Is just having... If you don't have any of the results, right. uh, you know, if you don't have anything like ground ball rate or, or swinging strike rate, you just have the data from Stack S, just have the data from Pitch FX. So what? how fine a point could you put on the quality of a pitcher? Now, you said, well, maybe you have Oliver Perez. Now, say, say you just have velocity, X, Y movement in the pitch selection. You might end up with with Oliver Perez, right? Yeah. But I guess what, the thing that was tantalizing about Oliver Perez is that the pitches themselves, removed from context, removed from balls and strikes, were compelling in and of themselves.
1: Right. He looked like he could have been good if he knew where the ball was going.
0: Now, from what you know, and perhaps this is a better question from Eric longenagan if, if someone had been watching, I'm sure people did, if those people who were watching Oliver Perez at the time, would they have had an idea from one appearance, would they, from one inning, from you know, a dozen appearances, would they have had an idea that command was going to be an issue for him?
1: I don't think you can tell from one appearance, right? Like, I mean, we've had, you know, like, well, I think that's saw Cole Hamels last year who has generally good command, like, walk the bases loaded or something. Like, I mean, I saw, uh, I've seen guys with good command just have bad innings where they just don't know where the ball's going, they lose their release point or whatever, where they get squeezed on a small strike zone one day or whatever. I mean, like, the you know, you don't get a call because your catcher moves the glove too much. So I don't think you can tell in one outing. You could probably tell... In a month, maybe? If, like, uh, you generally you're not going to have... I mean, there you know, there's going to be variances, but you're not going to have some guy who's, like, really wild, who doesn't know where it's going. Like, mm-hmm. say, Kyle Baraclaw, right, who pitches for the Marlins and had, like, a 40% strikeout rate with, like, a 16% walk rate or something. Like, that's going to manifest itself pretty... I would say over, like, you know, uh, 20 innings or something.
0: Yeah. Now, the cleanliness of the mechanics... Is, I don't know if that's a way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, you could say a guy has clean mechanics. I don't know if cleanliness of the mechanics is a way you can use that phrase, but it's making sense for the moment. Mechanics does seem to be a part of it. I feel like either Kyle McDaniel or Dan Farnsworth felt um, a good proxy for command, for future command, projecting command, was to look at the mechanics of a pitcher and if, you know, if he's able to repeat them, for example. If he's an athletic pitcher who's able to repeat his mechanics, there's maybe a better chance... That he would, um, if he didn't have command in the present, that he would be developing in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's generally one of the ways that people do project command: is how athletic is this guy, Mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't work for everyone. Bartolo Colon has amazing command and not exactly (laughs) an athlete, Um, but also, you know, how consistent is the arm slot? uh, How consistent is is you know the movement of the body from one pitch to another? Uh, you know, how much extra movement is there that requires higher maintenance? Like, if you've got, you know, uh, hesitation and a knee buckle and then you've got your arm, you know, flailing around from the side and you've got all these things that you have to do over and over, you have more variables that you can miss on.
0: Right. And so, and so then you start to say, well, this might be a problem for this pitcher. Do you, do you remember if Oliver Perez had, I guess he still pitches, right? Oliver Perez, but. Yeah, he's
1: a left-handed reliever for the Nationals now.
0: Right. When, when he was coming up for the Pirates, though, do, I mean, do you remember if there was anything sort of, um, wild about his delivery? Or was it just a question of repeating his slot? Uh,
1: so I don't remember exact questions about his mechanics. I mean, I definitely remember, like, the question was, is this guy ever going to throw strikes? Because uh, he was a lefty, you know, back when he threw ninety-five, like most guys weren't throwing ninety-five. That used to be rare, um, and he had a wipeout slider, and it was—it seemed pretty clear that if he had command, this was two-plus pitches from a left-hander. This could be pretty good.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this this bit, I this big. I like Gasalman as an entry point of this conversation to say, what are we going to know about a pitcher from his stuff? You you you're pretty convinced. It sounds like that Gesellman is going to when he when he pitches this year. He's going to resemble more the pitcher who uh, was throwing in the major leagues last year as opposed to the one who had thrown in the the minor leagues for years before that.
1: As long as he has the same stuff, right? So, like, the caveat is if he goes back to throwing 92, then nope. Like, then all of a sudden we kind of seen what Robert Gasselman in 92 does. Robert Gasselman in 94 with that sinker and that movement is not going to be, you know, a 12% strikeout pitcher.
0: A, a brief detour. We, uh, who wrote about Byron Buxton recently? Neil Weinberg wrote about By- uh, Byron Buxton, most uh, titled okay, yeah, something yeah. to the effect of so "the top prospect who isn't, yeah. who isn't one" or something right. like that. Uh, and it was a cool piece. It was it, his basic hypothesis was or his uh, his thesis statement was: Neil's was if Byron Buxton were not as good, <laughs> if he weren't as as, as celebrated a, a prospect. He would essentially not have debuted until last year, maybe, right. and he would he actually might still be a, a, a he might still be rookie eligible this year. If he if he weren't so good, he wouldn't have been in an, given an opportunity to be so bad in the major leagues.
1: Right. A lot of the skepticism about Byron Buxton comes from the overly optimistic time frame the Twins put on him.
0: Right. And 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 but if if he if he had just emerged and did what he did at the end of last year, what do you think of it? He, was he doing something different in the latter half of last year than he was in the first half? Uh,
1: well the I think in, the, in September. Yeah. He hit for a lot more power because he started pulling the ball, right?
0: Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, he, he his uh, isolated power was was way up. Yeah, and I um, think his
1: pull percentage spiked a lot in September too.
0: It did. You're exactly right. Yeah, he was pulling the ball a lot more now. Um, it, again, this is this is something where there's probably something mechanical going on there, right? Or something about his approach, something fundamental we have to imagine. Do you think that's the sort of, is that the sort of, uh, gain onto which a, a player will hold is coming to next year, or do you think he'll reset and we'll, we'll just see the Byron Buxton who had troubles from before?
1: My guess is the, the contact rate didn't improve at all, and the contact rate is a real problem. It's been a problem throughout. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm guessing someone from the Twins probably said, look, if you're going to strike out a lot, the only way to be good is also hit for power. You can't be a strikeout guy who slaps the ball around. So if we can't fix your contact rate, which right now I don't see a lot of reason to think that they can then how do we make you as good a hitter as we can with a strikeout problem? And that's adding power. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the adjustment to more pull and more power was a concession to we're not going to fix the strikeout rate, so let's just hit the ball really far instead.
0: Yeah, and apparently he has the the physical gifts that allow him to do that. Right. Then he's turning into Mike Cameron.
1: Yeah, or Lewis Brinson
0: maybe. Oh yeah, that's right. Lewis Brinson also. Yeah. I think we we might have when we were. When we played our over-under game, didn't we talk about we Mike did. Cameron and Lewis Brinson?
1: Yeah.
0: Both play – both uh, members of the Brewers. I mean Cameron was a Brewer for a while anyway. Um, <clears throat> one. I had one other question for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, regarding uh, Travis Sochick's piece today, you and I have just been talking about pitchers, kind of trying to construct a pitcher, trying to project a pitcher without knowing anything about the results, the batter's outcomes, right? We're just looking essentially at, like, what we can measure from the pitcher. Uh Sajik wrote about something uh, that's somewhat related in the sense that we're trying to it, – it's about thinking about pitchers is what he was doing. And I, I, I guess I hadn't realized it, but, you know, the Atlanta Braves have gone in really hard on pitchers in the draft the last few years. Yeah, They said, I think, like uh, – one year was like eight of their first ten picks was uh, high school pitchers. It, it was it was a, a huge order of magnitude that you don't typically see in a lot of high school pitchers too. Right. Um, and then there was something – and then the, the, there's this kind of dark interval, this dark passage in his piece uh, because uh, – in which he um, – Sochik quotes from an, a conversation he had with John Hart last year I think. Mm-hmm and and hart had said hart said a truism is if you have 10 arms 10 pitchers you can really only count on two of them making it right. i came up in the 80s and never believed that i said I, he said he said i said come on there can't be that much attrition then bang this guy gets hurt this guy doesn't develop a third pitch. you can never have enough pitching so they've gone through and they've selected pitcher after pitcher after pitcher that's right he says 12 of their first 14 picks in the 2015 draft, seven of the first eight picks in 2016. So that is out of 22 picks, they've selected 19 pitchers.
1: Yeah, that's pitcher heavy.
0: That's pitcher heavy. And that's 19 pitchers. That's almost 20. Uh, According to John Hart, two out of every 10 make it. So they're essentially – he's expecting – John Hart and and company are expecting four pitchers out of those 19 in theory.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, the numbers might be a little more optimistic now, um, in the sense of like, you know, maybe some of these guys who don't make it end up as relievers, and then you still get value as a reliever, right? Like, uh, Rolls Chapman didn't make it as a starter, but you'd happy happy to like, have as Chapman on your team. Um but right, so maybe it's 3 out of 10, but it's still not great. And they're, you know, of these high number of pitching prospects in the Brave system, they're gonna get, you know, 25 to 35% success rate, something like that.
0: This is dark, though. That's, this is like uh, the image that I conjure up in my my head is, you know, like soldiers who are going onto the beach in Normandy, you know?
1: Well, I, I don't think they had a 25% success rate. You think it was even lower, huh? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was dark. It was bad. But, it, yeah. but it, right, you look around if you're a pitcher in Atlanta camp. I mean, I guess it's any camp, but this is particular because so many pitchers have been selected and John Hart is so aware of, of, the, of how high the attrition rate is. Like... These guys are, in theory, they'd be looking around to be like, well, I don't know, am I one of the two? Yeah. Of, am I, you know, am I, am I uh, one of, or you know, am I one out of every five guys who's going to make it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think pitchers just know, like, there's a there's a shelf, right? Like there's a shelf life. They're they're going to pitch until their arm explodes, and they don't know when that is. And you just you hope it's not tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I guess you hope it's not tomorrow. Seems like a dangerous profession. Do they? Is that considered a pre-existing condition for for healthcare?
1: <laughs> uh, I would assume no. I would think like your it's an acute injury, right? Like your elbow is fine, and then it's not. So
0: yeah. So uh, what? It's not like a. It's not a chronic it,
1: disease. It's not chronic,
0: but at the same time, so you know, before uh, before the ACA, the uh, there were several possessions or professions that were regarded just as pre-existing conditions, like air traffic controller. I would have to think the pitcher, Major League Pitcher, would be one of them. It's possible. What kind of healthcare care do they have? What kind of health healthcare do, do like, are they on plan? Do they have, uh, you know, do they have Blue Cross Blue
1: Shield? Uh, I would assume so. I mean, obviously the uh, team doctors take care of a lot of it, but I would assume yeah. for, like, their non, uh, you know, like if they just get the flu or something, they might mm-hmm. just, you know, yeah. Here's my insurance card. I'm going Wait, to the what hospital. Do think, what do you think Clayton Kershaw's copay is? Um, I'm guessing he's just gonna like sign a couple balls for the nurses, and and they'll uh, call
0: yeah, it a it's day. Fine. Okay, yeah. All right. Hey, you're uh, done. I, mean, I keep meaning to uh, um, cap you at 30 minutes, but uh, we almost made that today.
1: Yeah, we could go longer if you would start on time.
0: Yeah, I know, but I was. Uh, Pretty exciting stuff, though, you think? The the yeah. over-under prospect game?
1: The six people who've clicked on the post are really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't appear to be. It doesn't appear to be heavy. Well, anyway, I, it's fun for some people. Yeah, you? Do you think you're, Are you going to play along, you think, Dave Cameron?
1: I have no intention of clicking on that post. <laughs> All right.
0: Hey, you know, it's uh, DeGrom is capital D-E, capital G.
1: Did I forget the capital G?
0: You did, yeah. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. I see. I read your post. <laughs> Actually, it's, but, not, it's not capital D. No, it's lowercase d, lowercase e, capital G.
1: Right. It's of the Grom.
0: Yeah, of the Grom. What's a Grom? I don't know. It's a Dutch Dutch name for a right-handed pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. Hey, Dave, that was a real pleasure. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah, that has been Dave Cameron, managing editor of Fangraphs. I'm Carst Stooley. This has been FanGraph's audio.